Amen. Let's stand all over the house this morning. Let's sing this old hymn of the church. I'm getting ready to leave this world.
all over the building. Uh, let me say to uh, some of these fine folks that are here, some of them are not in caps and gowns because they lost their cap and gown. They don't know where they are. So uh, some of them, they did actually graduate. They just somehow graduated right out of their clothes. So we don't know what happened to them. So, uh, But we are going to celebrate graduation Sunday at this time. We're going to let these graduates come in. We have Mason that's going to be coming, uh, Parker, Storm, and Steele. So if you guys will make your way at this time, just sit on this front pew for me. So every year when we do graduation Sunday, uh, I always have a questionnaire that I have them fill out. Uh, just so that we can learn a little bit more about our graduates. And uh, so the first one we're going to honor today is going to be uh, Mason. And uh, I'll, at the end, I'll bring all of them up and present them with a gift. But Mason, I'm going to have you come stand. If you'll just turn uh, to, the, to the audience right here, just come stand right here. Uh, the rest of them will be up here with you momentarily, so don't worry. Uh, Mason is uh, the son of Pete and Lori Dodge. Uh, he has a sibling, Katie. He graduated from Berkeley High School. Uh, he is planning on uh, entering the workforce with Berkeley Co-op. His favorite subject was history. His favorite food is steak. His, uh, that sounds like good eating to me. Uh, his favorite sport or hobby is fishing. I bet y'all couldn't have guessed that. Uh, the most embarrassing moment. These are my favorite to read. So Mason was on a fishing trip with his dad at a farm pond, and he went to set the hook. And in the process, he fell off the dock. And the problem was he had his phone in his pocket. So he fell into the water with all of his belongings because he doesn't know how to properly set a hook. So the goal, Mason, I am not an avid fisherman, but I think you're supposed to throw the hook in the water, not leave the hook on the dock, and you go in the water. I think that's how that works. But favorite Bible verse is John 3:16. Uh, interesting facts. He says, I like going to the beach. I like looking for shark teeth and, of course, fishing. Uh, he would like to say to his family and to his friends, thank you for raising me for who I am today and getting me to where I am in life. So just stay right there. But can we honor Mason today? I'll give him a gift here in just a moment. The next one is Parker. Parker's going to come and stand right beside him. Parker is the son of Nathan and Sarah Henderson. He has siblings Samuel and Emma. I think Samuel might be with us. Is he with us today? Somewhere in the children's church. I thought I saw him this morning. Favorite food is steak. These boys like to eat, y'all. Favorite hobby is hunting. We, we grow them right here in Berkeley County. Fishing and hunting and nothing else matters. The Bible, fishing and hunting, and you'll be good. Most embarrassing moment, he was fishing with some buddies, and he fell into the water after tripping over a fish. Let me Let me... I have never seen that happen, but I'm not going to ask you to explain, but I'd like to know, you've got a buddy here who goes in the water to, I guess, catch fish without hooks, and you trip over fish. I don't know if you walk on water or what, but um, I don't know how you trip over a fish, but uh, he tripped over a fish. His favorite Bible verse is obviously, uh, it's Jeremiah 29, 11, talking about the plans the Lord has for him. An interesting fact about Parker, Parker can play the guitar. Uh, and he would like to say to his parents, grandparents, family, and friends, thank you for helping me get through high school and see me graduate. So can we honor Parker Henderson today? <laughs> Parker Jean Henderson, to be exact. 
I'm going to ask Storm to come up. We have Storm Chancellor Judy. Doesn't he sound so official? Just He just sounds like an important person. Chancellor Judy. Yeah, I mean, that's great. He is the son uh, of Shane and Lori, uh, Judy, who come to the church as well. Siblings are Steele, who you'll meet in just a moment, and Jordan, who's there in the back. Uh, he attended Berkeley High School. He plans on enrolling in 2023 this fall at the Citadel, majoring in business. Congratulations. Uh, favorite subject, I know this is going to shock y'all, but his favorite subject was weightlifting. I know Storm doesn't look like he's ever picked up a five pound in his life, but he loves weightlifting, okay? If you've ever seen his dad, his dad doesn't like getting big either, you know. So, of course, you know, Storm is uh, just like his counterparts here. His favorite food is steak. Must be this protein thing. Favorite hobby is wrestling and football. Most embarrassing moment is uh, Storm made it on America's Funniest Home Videos. That is a true story. Because he was playing with a whip and he was swinging it around and it ricocheted back and slapped him in the back of the head. And he made it on television. He, there is a clip. Storm can show you afterwards. He, he literally is on America's Funniest Home Videos. We didn't win any money, or either if he did, he's lying. But we didn't see the money. Fifth place. Fifth place. So uh, he, uh, his favorite Bible verse is out of Hebrews 12 and 11 that talks about discipline and uh, training your body. Uh, I, I don't know why he would want to be someone that wants to discipline and train his body, but that's his favorite Bible verse uh, of that. Most interesting fact, when he was 9 to 10 years old, he placed third in nationals for gymnastics. Wow. At the ESPN Worldwide Center in Orlando, Florida. I'd like to see a weightlifting gymnast. Can you? Sh- <laughs> Anybody ever see? I don't want to. No, I'm not going to make you do it in a cap and gown. But I'm interesting to see how someone can be a bodybuilder and also do the, the pole vault and stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 I, uh, I, mean, I hope you do floor exercises. I hope that's the one you did. Or either the bars, you know. Um. Can we give it up for Storm this morning? And I didn't forget, Storm. I'm going to let I'm going to let you do your part after I introduce your brother. The last one is Steele. Steele, I'm going to ask you to stand by your brother. Steele recently graduated from the Citadel. Amen. That's why he is not in cap and gown. He is a little bit more dressed up. He is uh, the uh, son of Shane and Lori. He has a sibling, Storm and Jordan. Uh, he used to years ago. A long, long time ago in the year of 2019, graduated from Berkeley High School. Uh, he uh, majored at the Citadel in criminal justice and minored in fine arts. So we have a gymnast and a fine arts in the family, and they both lift weights. What an interesting concept. Uh, he just received acceptance into graduate school at the Citadel. He will begin in the fall and also will be exercising his fifth year of eligibility to play football for the Citadel. Uh, his favorite subject was football, and I, this is going to shock y'all. He also likes to weightlift. I know that's shocking, isn't it? I think those threads on that jacket is screaming because they're so tight on that right now. Uh, his favorite Bible verse is Hebrews 12 and 1, and it talks about that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witness, so let's run that race effectively. Now, uh, we want to honor them with a gift, but before I do that, Storm uh, actually wanted, instead of me reading uh, the things to thank his family for. Storm actually asked, could he uh, just share it himself? So I'm going to let Storm share uh, about his family today. Yeah, you can. You you can you can preach here. Here's my Bible. Go ahead. Just do the whole thing. Just do the whole thing today. So I chose to come up here because I was never smart enough to be valedictorian, so I get to stand up at a podium with my cap and gown on. 
you gotta hold it close. I can't hear you. Oh. Yeah. So today's. So today's Father's Day, and for six days I sat and I was thinking. You know, it was late at night, and I was like, I want to say thank you to my dad. And there was nothing I could put on words, like that just meant anything. And I just, I was thinking and thinking. I looked stuff up on Google. I was trying to get some help. I was like, give me something to kind of spark, like how to say thank you. And I figured out that the only way to say thank you is, you know, like through my heart. And that's what I'm gonna do. So ever since I was born, you know, me and my dad have had this bond. And not only has he been my dad, but he's been my wrestling coach. And the reason I bring up wrestling, it's a very hard sport. It, it, it's discipline. Getting beat for almost seven minutes by another man is not easy. But my dad made it easy. There were some practices. I hated it. I didn't want to get up. I didn't, you know, I, I just didn't want to do it. But I realized that it all makes sense now because he never quit on me. He always told me that you get up another day and you keep moving. And... All of that, all the discipline has finally made sense now. All the lectures, and I'm, I speak for steel too, there's sometimes we're like, what in the world? Like, why are we getting yelled at? You know, it just doesn't make sense. But now it, it just, it's hard when it happens, but now it just all seems to make sense when I see the men we've become. And I'm very proud, you know, when I, when I walk through society that I'm Shane Judy's son. It means everything to me. And um, so, Dad, I just want to say thank you and I love you. Now, as shocking as this may be to some of y'all, his dad is a really small, petite guy. He's not really very big. Uh, if you see a guy that looks like his shirts are extremely tight, that's actually Storm's father. That's why he's the weightlifting coach. Um, but, but we want to honor them. I'm going to ask Brianna to come up here with me, if she will, just for a moment. Uh, and we have a gift that we're going to give to the graduates. And let me say to the graduates, and I'll explain this more in detail uh, as we go along. Um, but inside of this, and you'll hear more about it in the sermon, but inside of this uh, gift bag here, you're going to find the most important gift you'll ever get be given in your life. It is a Bible. Because the reality of it is, and it's not just any Bible. Uh, you're welcome. It's not just any Bible. In fact, it is what's called the filament Bible. It, is, uh, it has an app that you can download on your phone, and you can actually scan the top of the picture of each particular page, and it will give you commentary and resource on how to read the Bible and understand it. You have, many of you have a lot of accomplishments that you've accomplished. You have, been, you have played sports. You have graduated high school. You've graduated college going into graduate school. I don't care what book you ever read. None will be more important to your life than the Bible. That will be the greatest book you'll ever read. You get one shot. You, you, can, you can go fish 1,200 times, you can play football for five years, up to five years of eligibility, you can play professional sports, you get one shot at eternity, and that's it, there is no makeup, there's no redo, that Bible will be the closest thing, you keep it close to your heart everywhere you go, and I promise you, it won't lead you astray, other books may fail you, people may fail you, but God never fails you, that is the greatest asset you have in your life, it's His Word and His bond with you, I'm going to ask you in the audience to stand all over the house, we're going to pray over these graduates, and then I'm going to make two of these graduates work by taking up our offering. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you and we glorify you and we magnify your name. I pray over each graduate today that you would speak to their hearts. Lord, I pray today that you would be a part of their family, God, and you would allow the, your spirit, Lord, to be, Lord, 
essential and they walk with you and they talk with you and they glean from you and they are a part of you. Father, I pray, God, that no matter where they go, no matter what their education or their careers take them, they would hide the word of God in their heart that they may not sin against you, but the words of the Lord would resonate and be life-changing to them for the rest of their life. Father, I pray that you would be with them today and you would be with their families today and you would just comfort and bless and keep them until the day you return. In Christ's name we pray and ask. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask two of these fine gentlemen to stand here. And we're going to pray quickly over the offering. And then we're going to ask you to bring your tithes and offerings unto the Lord this morning. Father, we pray today that you would bless this offering we're about to receive. Bless the gift and the giver, those that have the give and those that may not. Lord, let everything that is collected today be for the advancement and the glory of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. And together the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Will you greet each other today and come bring your tithes and offerings to the Lord? scripture and prayer if they'll come at this time and immediately following that brother randy will be coming to sing our special for today praise the lord like going on in the lord's house the lord is good john 15 i want to read just a couple scriptures John 15, verse 9, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Praise the Lord. I'd like to go to God in prayer and ask Him to touch us today. I always thank Him for His Spirit. I always thank Him for His presence. Let us pray. Father, again, we're thankful, Lord, always for Your love and Your grace and Your mercies. Father, we just pray, Lord, that You would touch this service today, every part of it. Father, I pray, Lord, that we'll be lifting You up, Lord. You said if we'll lift You up, You'll draw all men. Father, I pray that we lift You up in spirit and in the truth. Again, Lord, we love you and thank you for all that you're doing and all that you're doing in this church. Father, be with us today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Worship team comes. 
to all our fathers, happy Father's Day. We're going to sing a song about, our, about the Father, the Heavenly Father. This song simply says, you're a good, good Father. So we're going to ask you to stand all over the house this morning. We're going to worship together by decreeing, decreeing and declaring that He is a good, good Father today.
Oh, we love you, Lord. We glorify you. Let's just sing this chorus together. Heavenly Father, I appreciate
we've got a gift for you today. Uh, when you leave today, it'll be out at the front door. You'll see me standing. I will not get my normal post of duty here. I'll be by the front door. And as you exit the building today, I'll have a gift for you today. It is not a cheap gift, guys. I didn't. I one year I gave you knives. I didn't do that this year. It's it's, it's a practical gift. You'll really enjoy it, and uh, and it's something you'll be able to use. Um, I didn't I didn't buy you you know another you know bottle opener or tie clip or you know some fathers get like little fake mustaches they give out I didn't get you any of that it's something pretty cool so make sure you get that today those of you that are part of our pillars ministry we normally have on the last Saturday of the month our pillars meeting but we will not have that this week because of a funeral that we have for brother Robert Chambers is home going so we all have a lot of moving parts this Saturday coming up so I will not uh, be able uh, to have uh, the Pillars Ministry, so we'll see you in July, oh, Lord willing, so just make sure you're mindful of that as well. Let's go ahead and jump into the Word of God today. Joshua chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse number 1, and we're going to read down to about verse number 7 today. It came to pass that when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one from every tribe of Israel, and them, saying, Take for yourself twelve stones from here, out of the middle of the Jordan River, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You, care, you shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where you will sleep tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed of the children of Israel, every, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark, of the Lord your God, into the midst of the Jordan River, each one of you grab a stone on your shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, so that when your children, not you, but when your children ask you in time to come, what is the purpose of these stones we've collected? You then shall say to them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when we crossed over the Jordan, and the waters of the Jordan were cut back, these stones shall forever be a memorial to your children forever. Notice that. The stones were not for them. The Bible didn't say get the stones so that you'll have something to look back on and talk about how, life, how good life used to be in years gone by. The stones of remembrance were gathered so that the next generations would be able to say, what's the purpose of this? You can say, well, let me tell you about Jesus. The reason you are in this building today, next Sunday we will celebrate 30 years of full-time active ministry in Berkeley County. And we're going to have a big day of celebration with that as well. We are not here existing. We don't here to just exist, to just collect space and dirt. The reason we exist is to continue to tell generation after generation after generation, why do you need to go to church? Why do you need to why do you need to have this? Why do you have vacation Bible school? Why do you have Sunday night service? Why do you have Sunday school? Why do you have these memorial stones so the next generation can hear about how God's been good to us? That's why we have the stones. Jesus said he is the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected. We on Christ the solid rock, we said we have a firm foundation in Jesus Christ. Now let me say to you before I break the bread of life, if you have not already confirmed your for next in terms of coming to uh, our 30th celebration, please let Miss Carol know so we can plan for food accordingly for you this week. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father,
I pray that you would be with us as we break, your, break the bread of life and unfurl the holy pages of Scripture. Speak to our hearts and let us hear what thus saith Almighty God today. I forever am eternally grateful to you and thank you every day for every opportunity that I have to preach your unadulterated word to the people of God. Anoint me, anoint these lips of clay, that I may decree and declare what thus saith Almighty God. And for that I will give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. And together the people of God said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. As you're seated, let me say two things. One, for any men and or ladies that can give me about three minutes or four minutes right after church, it won't take long if we all do this together. But we need to just break down some tables and chairs. we already done it. We've already done it. Well, God is good. Miracles still do happen. Let the Lord have his way. I was hungry anyway. I didn't want to stay. But anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, let me say, though, for all of you that were here, those of you that were here yesterday, I'm not going to call names because I'll forget somebody. You know who you are. But yesterday we had a crew come out here and really do some real heavy cleaning, getting rid of some things that we needed to get rid of, getting the prayer room flipped out so we can start making it a children's room, getting some things cleaned out in the back building. Storage-wise, it's a store. They worked really hard. So let me say again to all of those people, thank you for your help yesterday. It looks amazing. We couldn't have done it without you. And uh, we look forward to next week. Please don't forget to let Miss Carol know if you're coming for, for next week so we can prepare dinner. This morning I want to talk for a few minutes on this. I know it's Father's Day, and I also know I have graduates in the house today. And so I know that I have two audiences that are in this room. Both audiences are from different walks of life. I understand I've got graduates that just came out of high school or graduates that just came out of college and some that are going into uh, graduate school, if you will. And then I have some of you in this room, you, you tried to just graduate from life. You're trying to just get through jobs and tax season and trying to deal with children. Now you got grandchildren. You're trying to just figure out how you got old real quick. You're just trying to figure out how AARP knows you're already old enough for benefits. That's what some of you are doing. But I want to talk today about leaving behind, if you will, a legacy. I've always been a huge sports, avid sports fan ever since I was a child, uh, much to my... <laughs> My wife sometimes displeasure. She says, all I do is, is eat and breathe sports. Every time I come home after work, we can have a long day. We can be outside. We can work in the yard. We can do all kinds of activities and stuff together. And it can be 1030 at night. She can say, hey, I think I'm going to go take a shower, you know, or whatever and get ready for bed. What are you going to do? I say, well, I have DVR, the Braves game. I got to see how, what happened today. I've been gone all day. I've been working in the yard. Last night, she fell asleep. I was still checking the Braves score out. I said, well, good night, babe. Have a great night. But I have to know if Atlanta won. I have to know. I'm a big sports fan. But, but legendary Hall of Fame coach from UCLA, John Wooden, is remembered today for a lot of his, if you will, hardwood analogies and quotes and things he said to his teams. He is a 10-time NCAA national champion. He was called the Wizard of Westwood. But every year, in fact, John Wooden won 10 national championships, seven in a row. And, and John Wooden, every year when he would get a new team of freshmen and, and, and the changing of the guard, every year, even if you had played for John Wooden for one season or if you had played for him for four seasons, every year, the first day of practice, you never picked up a basketball. He would have you walk into the gym. All these guys are shooting balls. He'd say, put the balls on the rack, gentlemen. John Wooden wore a suit and tie. To practice, and uh, he would—he was old school. He was kind of like, 
you know, uh, the coach from, from Hoosiers, he was one of those kind of guys. He was old school in his approach. He'd bring out these metal folding chairs and he'd sit his team at center court in these metal folding chairs. And he would tell them, I want every one of you to take your shoes off. And they would all just take their shoes off. And he'd say, untie them. And they'd untie them. And he'd take all their shoes. He'd put them in a pile. And he'd say, now, for the first day of practice, what we're going to do is we're going to practice tying our shoes. So every man, I want you to get up from your seat. I want you to go. I didn't want to do that with y'all today because some of y'all don't know how, you, how well y'all wash your feet. So I wasn't swapping shoes with y'all today just in case somebody forgot to shower last night. They would all go into the center court. They would find their, their specific shoe. They'd bring it back. They'd sit down in the chair and he'd say, now tie your shoe. And he'd watch them. And as they were going to tie your shoes, he'd say, young man, no, 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 no. That's not how you tie your shoes. He said, but Coach Wooden, I've been tying my shoes since I was like five years old. He said, I don't care what you've been doing. You've been doing it wrong. That's not how you tie your shoes. Untie them. And for, for over an hour and a half for the first day of practice, they just would tie shoes and untie them. He'd say, now tie them again. They'd tie them and he'd untie them. For an hour and a half, he would have them tie shoes. It sounded like a remedial task, something that almost seemed pointless. And here was what he'd say. Until you first learn how to tie your shoes properly, you'll never become a national champion. Because by the end of this season, you're going to have, if you don't know how to tie your shoes properly, you're going to end up with blisters. You're going to end up with an Achilles heel injury. You're going to end up with a pulled hamstring, all because you didn't know how to properly lace up your shoes. What a thought. Now, we all think of John Wooden and all of his glory as being one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time. He wanted his teams to know how to tie shoes. That was his claim to fame. That's what Joshua really was doing in this story. You've got to understand that Joshua is basically taking the children of Israel back to the hardwoods and saying, take your shoes off. We're going to untie and untie them again and figure out how to tie our shoes again. You say, well, how do you get that, preacher? Because you have to understand the previous chapters. I didn't read all of the, the, the ensuing passages ahead of chapter 4. But you have to realize they have just lost their fearless patriarch, Moses, who has been guiding them for 40 years. For over 40 years they have been listening to the mouthpiece of God preach to them and talk to them and share with them. I equate it to what people are going to be like when the rapture comes. There are men and women that have preached behind sacred lecterns for 30 and 40 and 50 years. But a time will come when the church is raptured. People are going to come to a church one Sunday and they're going to be all alone because there's not going to be anybody preaching anymore because we're not here anymore. The reality of it is Moses is gone. Joshua has been led the task of leading these people. God has rolled back the waters of the Jordan River. But you've got to understand something. The only people that are here with Joshua were people that were 20 years and younger from the, from the wilderness. We're not talking about senior citizens, church. We're talking about young people. The next year, how do you figure, preacher? Because the Bible gave us clear instructions. They, they grumbled and complained that finally after the 12 spies came back and gave the report, God said only those that are 20 years and younger are going, and I'm going to wipe out, if you will, an entire older generation who's not willing to move to newer seasons. Now, I don't have time to preach it. By all means, please don't. I love old people. I don't even call you old people. I call you seasoned saints. The, longer you, the older you get, the more you marinate. It's like a good steak. You, you let it sit long enough, you marinate, the better it gets. But some people have marinated so long they've turned sour. Hello, preacher. 
That's good preaching if you don't want to be church of God today. Because if you leave something sitting too long, it sours. There are too many people, I'm not even going to talk about physical age, I'm going to talk about spiritual age. There are too many people that have been saved so long and have sat on pews so long that they have soured to new seasons. And Joshua said, God said to Joshua, I'm taking, and Moses, I'm taking this next generation. I will do something with this next generation that the previous generation can't even think, comprehend, or fathom because they wouldn't trust me in new seasons. You know, there might be times, whether it's building buildings or building awnings or sheds or building whatever building, there may be some in this room may never see us build a building up front, but while you're still here, you can leave a legacy for us to build out there. You can still leave a legacy behind. And so Joshua is tasked with, you got to remember, these people have never seen the, the, the Red Sea part. They weren't born yet. If, if Moses had been in the wilderness for over 40 years with the children of Israel and the Red Sea happened immediately at the start of the 40 years and only 20 years and younger can go in, that means 20 years before these people were born did the Jordan River, I mean did the Red Sea part. Which means what that tells me is there are things we are living today on people that have long been gone ahead of us to glory. We're still living off of the miracles of people years or light years ahead of us. We're standing on their, if you will, on the threshold of their, of their foundation. They haven't seen the waters of, of the Red Sea part. But they have seen the Jordan River roll back. And they stand there and... Joshua watches as the, the Bible says he tells the priest to get the Ark of the Covenant, which was the tangible representation of the presence of God. It had, it had the, if you will, Aaron's budding rod in there. It had the, uh, a basket of manna, and it had the Ten, the ten Commandments or, or the tablets of law or, or the tablets of, of stone in there. The Bible said as the Ark of the Covenant was bore upon the shoulders of the priest, that when the sandals, their feet just touched the edge of the Jordan River, the waters rolled back just like the Red Sea. They parted. Even though God, the Bible tells us in Isaiah, God said in the new season, I'll, it'll spring up. I'll have rivers that'll spring up in wastelands. I'll do a new thing, a new season. Even when God does new things, he still does things that reminds us of things he's been faithful doing for years and years and years. It was a different body of water, but it was the same God splitting the water. I can tell you today, people that have been that I, that I have the privilege now standing on their shoulders. There have been pastors that have been here for 25 and 30 years, or 25, 26 years of this church's inception, and they started the process. They built the first church. They built the foundation from the ground up, and we're living off of, if you will, the harvest of that. But can I tell you, the same God that gave them visions to build churches is the same God that'll help us build a church. The same God that let them have financial blessings come and finances to do it is the same God that'll make millionaires. Or, or people walk in here and say, I don't know why, but I was driving by your church and the Lord told me to turn in and hand you a check for X number of dollars. They may not realize it, but they may build the kingdom of God even if they're not a part of the kingdom of God. And Joshua was standing there and the waters rolled back and abated. And the voice of the Lord spoke to Joshua just like it did to Moses. And the Lord said to Joshua, you tell these men, go back into the river. They already crossed over. The Ark of the Covenant is still in the middle of the sea, if you will, in the middle of the river. And, and he tells the men, you've got to go back into the water. But when you go back in there, God said, I want you to get a stone. 
Now, some of those, when they saw that I had these stones today, thought since it was Father's Day, and 98% of the time, most of you fall asleep in my messages, that I was going to use these as wake-up devices. <laughs> That's an insurance issue I can't do, so I'm not going to throw these today. But he told Joshua, get one person representing each tribe and go back into the river. There's 12 stones that I have laid across this altar. He said, every man, go grab a stone to represent your tribe. And you bring it back across. And when you bring it back across, you, you put it together as a memorial. Build it together. Don't tear it down, but leave it there. Because when the next generation comes by that never saw Red Sea partings, and when your generation that's 20 years and younger that saw the Jordan River part, they won't have to because we're going into the promised land, Canaan. But when your sons and daughters come to the Jordan River and they see this monument and they say, Hey, Daddy, what's that big pile of rocks over there? You can tell them you saw God roll back the Jordan. You can tell See, you didn't see me roll back the Red Sea, but you did see me part the Jordan River so that when your sons and daughters come and they ask you you can say well my granddaddy and my great grandfather and my father they saw the Red Sea part son but I wasn't born yet but when I got to the to the edge of my breakthrough when I got to the edge of my miracle when I got to the edge of my promised land I was on the cusp of breakthrough I was on the cusp of a miracle and when I didn't know see my father and my grandfather my great grandfather when they stood at the Red Sea old Pharaoh's army was hot on their trails but the Bible said but my but my father and grandfather, they saw the river of the, of the Red Sea just part. Well, son, when we got here to the Jordan River, we were worried how were we going to cross. It was flooding season. It was high tide. We didn't know how we were going to do it. But, son, just like God rolled back the waters for Poppy and just how God rolled back the waters for Grandpa and how God rolls back the waters for Grandma and how God rolled back the waters for Sister So-and-So, when we got there, we said, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who was and is and is to come, if you've ever done it before, Lord, you can do it again. If you've ever been a God of miracles before, you'll be a God of miracles again. If you've ever parted the sea before, you can part it again. And son, when we put our feet into the water, the waters abated and they rolled back. Son, these stones are to tell you that God is still real. God is still alive. God is still the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fret. We still serve the same God that rolled back the sea. And he took the stones and he built an altar. That word memorial in Hebrew is a word called zikaron. It literally means to make a record or a permanent reminder. I remember the story in Acts chapter 10. For time's sake, I'm not going to go there. But in Acts chapter 10, there's a story of a guy by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius is praying to God. He's a Gentile, but he's a believer. And he began to pray and ask God. He said, God, I want to know more about this, this Holy Spirit thing that's traveling around the world. I don't understand this thing. And he's praying. At the same time he's praying... Peter's up on a housetop, on a rooftop. He's interceding and he's praying. The Bible said that Cornelius has a vision, so does Peter. Peter has a vision of a bed sheet with all of these different four-legged animals that, that were considered unclean, not kosher for Jewish, if you will, dietary law. And God told him to eat. He said, God, I can't eat that. That's against our, our dietary. That's, against our, that's not kosher. That's against what we believe. And God said, but what I have cleansed, why are you calling unholy? 
And what Peter didn't realize is God was setting him up to be a, if you will, let Jesus be known to the Gentiles and, and to the other nations of the world. Well, Cornelius has a vision too. And in the middle of his vision, you go back and read it for time's sake, I'm not going there, but, but Cornelius says to God, what does this mean? In, in Cornelius' vision, he says, God, I don't understand it. What does this mean? And here's what God said to Cornelius. You can go back and read it. I think it's in verse 4 or so. He said to Cornelius, your prayers and your alms, talking about your giving. You could call it tithes, offerings, alms were given to the poor for kingdom work. Your prayers and alms have come up before the Lord as a memorial. Now, now go back with me. Let me see if I can find it. Look at what Joshua said. These stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Uh, Sister Tanner and Madison, I, I, I not said I wasn't going to go there, but will you go, if you can pull up the Bible, to Acts chapter 10 for me and just throw it up on the screen. Uh, I believe it's going to be uh, around verse, um, it might be, let's see, let me find the exact verse to tell you where we are. Uh, verse 4, I think it should be, 10, Acts 10 and 4. If you can throw that up on the screen for me in just a moment. As soon as you have it, you can throw it up there. But notice the words, Joshua said it's a memorial. Now watch what he said. Look right there. Your prayers and alms have come up as a memorial before God. A memorial. What is a memorial? Well, in the Greek, the Greek word is menumasanon. That literally means an object that is forever or everlasting. Something preserved. So when Joshua was telling them to build a memorial, he said, I want you to have a permanent record of what God's done. By the time the Holy Spirit shows up unto the scene, that word memorial says, I'm going to be an object that lasts for eternity. You can try to outrun God. You can try to outgive God. You can try to outlive God. But I'm telling you, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You can have a permanent record of what God's done, but God's not just wanting you to live on day-old bread and things in the past. He sent us the Holy Spirit to let us know He is an abiding presence. He is with us forever and ever. We have a Lord that will stand the test of time. We have a permanent election call with God one day. We are secured in His presence. The Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us was sealed, if you will, to preserve us till the day of redemption. So fathers, today, you should be leading your homes, praying for your spouse, praying for your kids. I surmise you should be praying for your kids' future spouses. The way the world is going, you better hope you get the right pick. Because there's some cracker jacks out there. See, I'm going to use a fishing analogy. Not everybody's a bass. Some of them are a little crappy. That'll preach. That's, that's for all my fishing people. And I just thought of that. I don't know if it was anointed or what, but I just it just came to me just like that. I don't know what that was. Maybe it's because I'm hungry and I'm just thinking. I don't know. You better get it right. You better start praying for your kids and your grandkids' spouses because everybody out there ain't going to take your kids and grandkids to Calvary. They're going to take them on a fast track to hell. You better make sure they get the right people in their life. If you don't believe it, come talk to me. I'll introduce you to some people who, who got it wrong. There's some people out there that wish they could go back and undo the hands of time. You should be the peace, prophet, protector, and provider to all fathers, to all spiritual fathers, bonus dads, grandfathers, graduates. Today I admonish you three things or points of emphasis, and I'm going to go through these quickly. 
And I tell you, you can't afford to be spiritually asleep at the wheel in the day and hour in which we live. There's too much at stake. As I told these graduates, I'd say it to this body. Eternity is hanging in the balance. You don't get a mulligan. You get one shot to get it right before God. You might, can go, you might go one day fishing and catch nothing. You know what? The next day you can get in the boat and try again. You can go out one day sitting in a deer stand smelling like deer urine and spraying all kinds of God-awful smells on you that you ain't even look like you hadn't taken a bath in a year and smell horrible and see nothing. Go out there the next day and see a 12-point buck walk out. You might get a redo, but I'm telling you, you stand before God, you get one shot and you better answer it right. One time. That's all you get. There is no second chance to that. The Bible calls us watchmen's on the wall. We can't be dazing or dozing off like the five foolish virgins in the, virgins in the account that Jesus told. You see, in that account, those ten virgins, five of them decided, you know what, they were just kind of going to be lazy. They weren't going to keep their lamps trimmed. They weren't going to have oil in it. They kind of got spiritually asleep, if you will. And when they least expected, the bridegroom showed up, and they were left behind. They got one shot, and they were left behind. So there are three things I'm going to quickly point out to you. Number one is this. Do you, I, I'm not, I want you to understand, I am not, I didn't go to school for this. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a super smart guy. But there's a couple things I have learned. And I'm going to give you some real deep theology here. It's going to change your life. It took me a long time. I had to get a Ph.D. for these. So I'm going to share some of my Ph.D. knowledge with you. The first thing is, you don't know you're asleep until you awake. That's deep, isn't it? That's, that's, it took me a long time to come up with this. I, I had to really, really study hard. I almost failed this class. You don't know you're asleep till you're awakened. You know how I know that? Because half of y'all fell asleep yesterday holding a book. You thought you were reading, but somehow in the process, the book read you. Hello? That's good preaching. Y'all quiet today. Y'all must not want to be a church. Let me just explain how some of y'all do this. Y'all get in a nice, fluffy, comfortable chair. Some of y'all call them lazy boys. There's a reason they're called lazy. Um, you sit there and you get a book and you think you're going to read. About 10 minutes in it, it's all of a sudden. Oh, you wake up. Oh, babe, what you doing? Oh, I was reading. No, you weren't. You were sleeping, you liar. No, I wasn't. I was reading. What did you read? I was reading about uh, Jesus. The whole book's about Jesus. Tell me which part of Jesus you're reading about. Well, you know, um, about the part where, yeah, what's, where, what's, what chapter were you in? What verse? What, 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 what book? Uh, well, you know, it was uh, somewhere. Uh, it was in the, I was reading the 66 books of the Bible. Uh, yeah, I bet you were. So you don't know you're asleep until somebody wakes you up or until you get awoken. Now, you may try to intentionally go to bed and know that, but sometimes you can just be sitting somewhere. If you sit there long enough, you'll fall asleep. I'm married. I'm married to one. She's like a sloth. It's the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. She can sleep for 12 hours. Get up. I put her in a car and drive her from here to Parker's, and she's back asleep. I'm like, I could go to Riverbank Zoo and find this. They call them sloths. They wake up long enough to go, hello. That's how it is. I go on road trips. I have to listen to podcasts or listen, eat snacks because my partner in crime is out. She's gone. And then... Prime example, I went yesterday, left the funeral. No, what day was it? No, it was Friday. Friday I picked her up. We went out and did some things, had to run some errands. I went to Brother Randy and Sister Carol's house. I went and visited Dennis and Dale. 
That joker's asleep in the car and didn't know we did any of that until we got back to the house and said, we home? Yeah, I've already visited the whole church while you've been sleeping. That's the truth, y'all. That's the truth. I left the car. Did I not leave the car running? She's asleep. Tell the truth. Yeah, I just said I left her running. She ain't waking up. Just leave her in there. You never know what I bring into your house. Normally, you know, but, but the reality of it is you don't know you're asleep until you're awakened. Israel was famous for this. You know how many times in Scripture we find where Israel would do real good and all of a sudden out of nowhere they just spiritually fell asleep? They started worshiping other gods. They, they, they were famous for stuff like that. Can I tell you America? Today we are in a dark place. And the church of the living God, if we're not careful, some of us are sleeping on the job. We say we got all the goods. We say we got everything, but we're spiritually. We're spiritually sleeping. You know how I know that? Because while the world is drastically changing into a darker, if you will, web of sin, the church is beginning to embrace that sin, not to call it out, out of darkness into its marvelous light, not to try to condemn or condone it, but the church is accepting it and putting it in leadership. Can I just can I just be real for 30 seconds? If I, I felt like I've been here four years, I should earn trust. I, I need, uh, where's, my, where's my boys at? Uh, let's see, uh, uh, Steele, come help me. Because if they hurt me, you're big. Uh, let's see. Parker, you can come here. Now, y'all, y'all going to stand right here. If they hurt me, you take a rock and you stand before me. You are an armor bearer. You may not know what that means, but that means kill them before they kill me. That's simple. Right here. Stand right here. I don't know what you're going to do, but just look pretty. If they, they get past him, you're going next before me. I'm standing in the back. Let me help y'all understand something. This is how I know that things are changing. Styles change. Standards don't. Style can change. Substance does not. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? The world has drastically tried to redefine everything from marriage to sexuality to religion. All while the church, instead of calling it out, if you will, we've accepted it and put it in positions of leadership now I'm, I know I could get censored on Facebook but you know I don't like Facebook anyway I'm not friends with people very much so let me just go ahead and preach to you the word of the Lord real quick in about 30 seconds just because he's in a buttoned up khaki pants and are those real hey dudes or are they the fake ones oh money I see how that is I had to buy the Walmart knockoff version because I can't afford stuff like that let me slide over here just in case you know, he can still go to heaven dressed like this. He don't have to look like this. Man looks at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. This is one style. If Parker showed up one Sunday in a full suit, I'd think I've died. And I'd be concerned that God's coming today. I don't even know if Parker wants a tie, y'all. But that's his style. That, that's his style. That's his style. He owns three. Y'all are wrong. That's his style. Nothing wrong with that. His style is a little bit different. He's not wearing a, a full matching suit. He's got khaki pants or grayish colored pants. He's wearing a blue blazer. He's got a tie on. Looks different than mine. He's wearing Styles are different. We may dress different. We may do business different. We may be bigger sizes. We might be not big at all. We all might look different, but can I tell you, all three of us still are men. So you can dress him up any way you want to, but you're still a man. 
And I'm to the point that I'm not saying, oh, well, little Tommy is little Sally. No, no, no. She was Tommy all along. I don't care if she wants to be called Sally. She's always been Tommy because God created her as Tommy. So I'm here to tell you, even if next Sunday one of these jokers show up in a dress and they draw me, I'm not going to call them Patricia and I'm not going to call them Stella. They're still going to be Parker and Steele. Because God called them, uh, he called them by name. He knew the number of hairs that were on their head. We as the church can let sit idly by and say whatever we want to, do whatever we want to. But God did not change. Whether we change or not is immaterial. God didn't change. So while the world's changing everything we know, the church of the living God's got to stop being asleep and say, no, 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 no. You're not Stella and you're not Patricia. You're Parker and you're Steele. And that's what God called you. And that's what you're going to be. Thanks, gentlemen. We cannot be asleep at the wheel. Things change, but we cannot be asleep. We may not all look the same. We may not all be the same. We all might look different. We can't afford to allow our kids and the generation they're growing up to be, we can't allow them to see a church that's slumbering. We only have a little bit of time, and by the time we wake up, it may be too late. The next thing I learned if you'll go to that slide uh, for me, the next one is you'll do things in your sleep that you never would do when you're awake. That's deep, isn't it? <laughs> some of y'all just, some of y'all are like, wow, where did he come up with these whiz, words of wisdom? So intellectual today. You'll do things in your sleep that you never would do when you're awake. How do I know? Because I have lived with people who I know and I have experienced this. I'll give you a couple examples. I have won the Super Bowl as the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs three or four times by now. I have so many Super Bowl rings that I'm a Hall of Famer quarterback in my sleep. When I woke up, I realized I can't throw the football for me to the back door. I can't be a quarterback. I know that. I've won World Series. One night, this is going to shock you. I don't even have enough rhythm to know how to dance. But one night, Brianna and I won Dancing with the Stars. I don't know how we did it, but we did. We won it. I can't even I can't even do the church clap and the Cupid shuffle right without getting my legs twisted and turned and falling down. But somehow we were able to salsa and rumba. and oh, We won Dancing with the Stars. I was like, I woke up and thought, that was incredible. And then I realized, I can't do that. I can't do that. I have had dreams before where I looked like steel. <laughs> but when I woke up, I realized I don't. <laughs> steel and Storm have a six-pack. I'm going for kegs. Mine, mine, mine's not a six-pack of abs. Mine is just one compacted ab. It's just one ab. Some of you in here have the same problem. Don't laugh at me. Some of y'all's abs are bigger than mine. You're one. That's good preaching even if you are convicted. I've, I've dreamed these things, but when I woke up, they weren't reality. Joshua was telling this generation in this story, he said, look, they never saw what your grandparents saw. They may never see what you just saw, but you're going to have to tell them the things because if you're not careful, they'll never do things that you got to do. Because what he told them is your grandfather's they never saw the promised land because they did things they thought they would said they would never do by turning their back on God. 
The reason your grandfather's not in church today, Joshua said, the reason your father is not standing with us in this Jordan River today is because they did things. They fell asleep at the wheel in the wilderness. They did things. They said, they said if God delivered them from the bondage of Egypt, that they would serve him. But when they got out of there, they started grumbling and complaining. They lost their lack of trust in God. They built false gods and golden calves and became ungrateful. Everything they said they wouldn't do, they did, and now they're not here. You know, we used to say in, back years ago, oh, we would never let such and such happen in the church. But in the church world today, we're allowing things that you would have never thought we would. We let sin be on platforms and pulpits. We ordain pastors who are openly homosexual. We know that our worship pastor are drag queens and transvestites, but we put them in there to lead us into the throne room of God when they can't even decide what to wear that morning to church. You, the reason, let me just pause here. You know why, why they're so talented and good? Because uh, Lucifer, that was his specialty in heaven. He led worship for the Lord. So he knows a little thing about music. He knows how that works. We have unholy and unwholesome conduct and leadership. Now you hear me before everybody runs out of here and thinks I'm preaching heresy. Can a transvestite come to our church one Sunday morning and be loved as a person that is made in the image of God? Absolutely. But they will not serve in a leadership position. The Bible said, I don't want, Jesus said, I don't want any to perish, but all come to repentance. If they can't come to church and find Jesus, where are they going to? The world is glad to accept them. The church sometimes is quick to condemn them. We've got to learn to not just condemn, not condemn them, but we've got to learn to lead them to the cross and let Jesus do the cleansing. He's the only one that can do it. Can a homosexual or someone living that lifestyle come to our church one Sunday? Sure they can. They're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they won't be teaching kids classes. They won't be on the praise team. They won't be serving in a leadership position. Do I want them in church? Yes. Do I want them to come every week? Yes. Do I want one Sunday the 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 they the, uh, captured, if you will, by the presence of God and the and the, the the Holy Spirit to grab their heart? Yes. Do I want them to be here? Yes. Do I want them to lead? No. There's a difference. We need them here because we're not here to be a museum for saints. We're here to be a hospital for sinners. You already know how to go to heaven, or I hope you do. If you don't, good. You're the sinner I'm looking for. I don't preach every Sunday because I want to maintain museums. I preach every Sunday because I want people to come to know Jesus. I want people to be a hospital where they get better and they know Jesus Christ. That's what we do it for. That's why we're here. The Apostle Paul tells the church at Rome in Romans 13 and 11, knowing the time that now, not later, now it is high time to awaken out of sleep. For today is the day of salvation nearer than when we first believed. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 13, he told the church at Rome, wake up now. We don't have time to play games. We've got to get up and wake up now because today is when people will get saved. We don't need to wait until they're 45 to get saved. Let's get saved today. Don't wait 10 years down the road. Give your heart to Jesus today. Don't wait five years to accept the call of God on your life. Accept the call of God today. Because you may not have tomorrow. Life is but a for here today, gone tomorrow. Finally, Miss Carol, as you make your way, finally, 
Not only do you do things you never thought you would do, but when you're asleep, you detest the sound of an alarm. I'm gonna just I'm gonna I'm just gonna preach out of my heart. This is not in the Bible. I read the King James Version, but I get a little dyslexic. My initials are J K, so sometimes that J and K gets a little mixed. So I'm gonna preach to you out of the Jonathan Keith Version. I I sometimes despise having to share a room with Brienne on Saturdays because my lovely bride forgets to turn off her alarms. The problem is she don't wake up to shut them up, and they're on her side of the bed. So what happens is I'm in a real good metacrational moment with God. I am like the psalmist David. I am laying before the Lord and just thinking of all the goodness in the Lord. And about that time when I'm dancing with sheep in the green pastures of meadows of heaven. Bah, 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 bah. I roll over, Brianna. Please turn off the alarm. What? Turn off the alarm. Okay. Except instead of grabbing her phone and shutting that stupid demonic device up, it's straight from the pits of you nowhere. She hasn't synced to her watch. She's bougie, y'all. The only thing about it is when you sync it to your watch, it doesn't shut the alarm off. It does something called snooze. That's of the devil. That's that's just devil talk. Because she'll click it. And brother man, I'm back in the meadows with the children and the, the, the lilies and sheep. About five minutes later, I'm getting ready to walk on water. Ba 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 ba. Brianna, I told you to, I did turn it off. She hits her watch again. Y'all, I'm not lying to you. A couple weeks ago, I I got up and started tabulating how many cards. But that alarm went off six times before she actually got up and moved the alarm and stopped it from doing. Six times it snoozed on me. Y'all better be lucky that it was on her side of bed because I'd have thrown that thing so far. as I'd been like the Lord. I'll cast it as far as the east is from the west to never be remembered again from this point forward. Because when you're resting, you detest the sound of an alarm. Some of y'all know what that is. When you're having a good day and something wakes you up, you're like, ah. But can I tell you, God is sending us a sound. He is letting the church be, he's alarming, if you will, the church, letting us know he's coming. We better wake up and quit snoozing. I just preached to you a couple weeks ago about the sound of Pentecost. God sent us the Holy Spirit to be a sound to wake us up. You see, we can't keep snoozing on this journey of faith. There's alarming things that are happening in our world. Our kids are confused what bathrooms to use. Our kids don't know what to dress like. They don't know what to say. They're confused. And we as the church, we're we got to wake up. The alarm has been sound. We can't keep spiritually snoozing. Mark 13, 35 and 36 and Matthew 24, 43 and 44 says, Be on alert, for you don't know when the master of the house is coming in as much if he comes suddenly and finds you sleeping. Wake up is what he's saying. Joshua tells the next generation, there'll come a day that this future generation won't know you've got to tell them what meaneth these stones what does this mean because God wanted the next generation to know the power of God he didn't want a generation to raise up who knew not the Lord or his mighty acts he wanted them to know who he was before I segue into closing a couple challenges fathers 
bulk of this message falls on you today. Where are you at? What memorial or legacy are you building for your children and grandchildren to one day look back when you're gone and say, but let me tell you about the God my daddy served, the God my grandfather prayed to. Where's that memorial? Where's that stone? Where is that moment? I walked into a room. I was actually at camp meeting this week. And I walked into a store there in Greenville. Now, as I was walking through, I just happened to be passing by a door. And I don't know why it caught my attention. It just did. And I turned, Brother Larry, and it was the bathrooms. And there was a sign on the wall. It didn't say male. It didn't say female. It didn't say men or women. It said gender unknown. Gender unknown. Binary, non-binary. Basically, we don't know what you are. You can use this room. God did not call us to be confused on what we are. The Bible said we were fearfully and wonderfully made, knitted together in our mother's womb. God knows exactly who you were called to be. That's what our kids, our children, our grand that's what they're facing today, church. While we're sleeping. Some of us have been saved so long, we have fallen asleep on the wall, spiritually. Our kids today have faced things that none of us have faced. And none of us had to deal with gender role confusion and identity crisis and sexual issues like they are today. When kids are, school boards are passing laws that you've got to put kitty litter boxes in the corner of the room in case somebody in the room identifies as a cat, they can go over there and use the litter box in town, in the classroom. And you've got kids literally crawling over there and defecating in litter boxes and licking their hands like they're felines class and you can't do anything because the school board says you have to let them be who they are I'm going to tell you right now no you don't have to let them be who they are they were called by God we're going to call them what God called them because that's the problem we've let people have too many options and choices to the point that they've made the wrong choices we got to quit giving choices and we got to start having standards you pray over that baby you walk into that room I do this every night with Mike and Brandon can attest this is the truest thing if I've ever said it Mike and I do prayers every night. I let him do his prayer. And he finishes, he says, Amen. And I'll say, close your eyes. I put my hand on his little blonde head. And I say, Michael, now daddy's going to pray for you. And I pray the same prayers about every night. Dear Lord, I want you to be with Micah. The next line I say is, he's a mighty man of God. I want my child when he grows up, he's not a woman of God, he's a man of God. He's going to hear his daddy affirm him. He's a man of God. Now, I don't, you know, Micah is a couple months ago or, or about six months ago or so gave his heart to Jesus Christ and he says he loves Jesus. But even before that, Sister Angel, I, every day when he was in that room, even before he wanted to know Jesus, I said, Micah, God, I pray the Lord you let Micah be. He's a mighty man of God. He was going to hear he was a mighty man of God. Not a woman of God, a man of God. And I say, God, help Micah to reach people and show them the love of Jesus that I'll never reach. What am I doing? I'm speaking over his life. You're going to tell people about Jesus and win people daddy can't reach. Will that ever happen? I don't know, but he's going to know daddy prayed that for him. Pray. You got little Sally? You walk into that room with little Sally or Emma or whoever or Callie Mae or 
whatever your child's name may be, and you say, God, she's a princess and a, of the Most High God. She's a queen of heaven. She is fearfully and wonderfully made. Let her grow up and, and let her love people with a love like you have never seen that it comes after you. She's a daughter of the Most High God. She may not know what you're saying now, but you're speaking life over her today. Now I'm going to do something so out of the box. I know it's almost time to go, but you ain't got to come to church tonight, so congratulations. If you're under the age of 25 years old, I want you to come stand in front of me. 25 and younger. You face that audience. Don't face me. 25 and younger. Some of y'all lying because I know how old you are. Get your butt up. Lying. I might have to have a Holy Ghost service of lying to have salvation service people lying in this church. I don't care what you put on Facebook The people think you're old. You're under 25. Get up here. Brother Mike, can I borrow that? I'm not under 25. That was 10 years ago. I'm waiting for ARP to start calling. You listen to me and you listen to me good. You don't need a boy to complete you. You don't need a girlfriend to make you have purpose. You need Jesus. I don't I don't know if your mamas and daddies have ever prayed for your spouse or they how they do. I'm not judging them. Boyfriends come and go. They're like Baskin Robbins. There's 31 different flavors. You can have one for a different day of the month. They come and go. I don't know who your spouse will be. I'm going to tell you right now, if they don't know Jesus, you need to let them go. If you're dating somebody that wants to keep you out of church, then bring you to church, you need to drop them like a hot potato. If they, if they, if they, if they try to let you lead you down a pathway of sin and try to take you down sexual roads and try to take you down roads that you shouldn't be down, you need to say, I'm sorry, but as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, and you let that sucker go. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know. I, I don't know about date anybody you know what at this point I don't really care if you date anybody but all my young men up here God didn't call you to like men he made a woman that's why Adam when he woke up he saw she's standing there and he was like whoa man she looked good he made a woman God didn't call you to like women I mean man he called you to like women little girls up here God didn't ask you to like each other he called you to find a priest and a prophet provider over your home he called for a man of God to stand up and say I'm not going to lead you down a lifestyle of sin and sexual but we're going to have Bible study together I'm going to be the priest, prophet, protector and provider not only physically but of spiritually of your heart and of your life I can't help what any of these people do but I'm building you an altar, a legacy today that you'll leave here you'll never be the same again when I'm done with you I don't know if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life if you don't, by all means, you need to do that because you may not be here tomorrow. I have been at funerals. I have conducted funerals. I have been and seen funerals of people that were a lot less younger than you that died because their election came a whole lot quicker than they thought. You don't have tomorrow promised. You better make sure you leave today right. Your pastor is saying this to you, not in anger, but if you will, roar in righteous indignation. Don't you play games with God because you're, je you're jeopardizing eternity. You got one shot. You better not miss it. I'm going to tell you what I've told these people. Half of y'all are always dispersed all the time. Some of you are going off to college and other places. I don't care. 
per se what the girl's name or the guy's name is you married as long as they love Jesus if you end up growing up and you go to another church one day I'll miss you but I'll pray for you but my heart from you is this I need to make sure you get to heaven one way or the other that's all I'm after I want you to cry in altars I want you to lift your hands and worship to Jesus I don't care if you see all they're old She's not. She's still kind of young. But the rest of them are old. They won't be here forever. But I'm going to need somebody else to sit on these pews one day that knows how to love their Jesus like they do. I'm going to need another worship leader one day to rise up and say, Pastor, I want to lead service one Sunday and sing. Oh, yes, I need that. I'm going to need new piano players one day. I'm going to need new drummers one day. You're it. You're it. You're not, the, you're not the generation of next year. You're the generation of now. You're it. Tag, you're it. I don't care if these people ever raise their hand in a song. That's between them and God. They know better if they don't. I want you not to be ashamed of what the person to the left of you. I want you to be able to stand there and say, but I will serve you, Lord. If no one else will, I'll love you, Jesus. When you walk into Berkeley High School, when you walk into the city, you may not be able to audibly say it out loud because of different restrictions and rules. But in your heart, as you walk through Hell Week and in the hallways of Berkeley County, when the transvestite walks by you and when the, when the gay person or the homosexual walks by you or, or when somebody, you can say in your heart, but God, I love you. God, I, I love Lord, I pray for them. I, I pray you bless them. But in your heart, you know you're going to make it when this time comes. That's what I want. Nothing would make this pastor's heart and time swell any larger. If some 80-year-old person comes down there and prays in the altar, that's wonderful, and I'll pray with them. But you want to know what will melt my heart quicker than seeing her wake up in the morning? It's when young people start filling the altar and crying out to Jesus more than these old people. Because one day these old people won't be here, but I'm going to need you. I'm going to need you. I'm going to need ushers. I'm going to need security detail. I'm going to need people you stay right there now you think I'm hard on them I'm coming for you now because some of you have failed them you haven't prayed for them like you should you haven't covered them like they needed they, you've not walked trust me you've not walked like they're walking today you ain't never seen nothing like sin like it is today you had yeah some of you had popped the magic dragon in high school and knowing what joints and marijuana and all that stuff was that's easy stuff to these people not knowing who they are and what sexuality they are is a whole lot more challenging than the drugs that you may have faced back in the 60's I tell you, you also only get one shot at eternity too. And you'll stand not only to God before God for yourself, but if one of these people belong to you, you'll stand before God and give accountable to them too. Now, I know there's not 12 of you. That's okay. If there'd have been more than 12 of you, I'd have been in trouble. Hold that rock. Brother, if you and Madison are normal, you get those three rocks each one of y'all now I'm giving you a memorial in your hand the problem is I'm not their daddy two of them's dad's right there 
one of their dads is right there. I know, I know Madison's dad's not here today due to prior obligation. Some others. But some of you, you're their grandparents. Some of you, you're related to them. Some of you are already saved. You know where you're going. Maybe you don't. I don't know. He leaves the Citadel and he goes to work for the President of the United States as the armed security guard for the President. He's going to deal with politicians. He better be saved. Because ain't nobody in politics hardly saved, so he better be. I don't, I don't support a donkey. I don't support an elephant. I align with a lamb. That's where I align. He might be the only one on the field. But if God goes for him, who can be against him? He may go off and play professional sports one day. He's got brothers and sisters. They're looking at him and watching his life. He might be the only Bible that they ever get to read, not physically. The way he lives his life. Whether it's sports, or whether it's a vocational career. Strong as an ox tender as a lamb he's strong as an ox but you can make this kid right here cry quicker than you can make anybody else watching the little mermaid he's tender hearted the bible said God found a man like that called David there was a boy that was sitting out in the desert or sitting out in the field just playing ukulele love songs God said, but that man's after my own heart. You know why David was after his own heart? Because David had a soft heart for people. He loved people. Quiet. Not going to say much. Unless you make her mad. Then she's louder than anybody in this room. Then she becomes Pentecostal in a hurry. But she has two siblings that watch her everything she does. She better be leading them to Jesus not away because the choices she makes in high school and down the road can have an effect whether they follow that same pathway or not and she may eventually come back to Jesus but what if her what if Colton or Mackenzie don't come back to Jesus after this is said and done she has a brother she's well known in sports and other things that she does she works in a business she meets lots of people like a revolving door coming through you don't always have to tell people you're saved. They'll tell it by the way you live. They'll know. These gentlemen right here, I don't know what they'll grow up to be. They may grow up to be security guards, businessmen, own their own business, fathers of their own children. But what will be the stones that they have to tell their children next time? Now, fathers, grandfathers if one of your if one of your children or grandchildren in this altar I want you to come stand with them so you guys are going to have to spread out everywhere if you're a family you can get in your cluster of family but if you're a grandfather or a father to one of these kids you can go to your child or your grandchild stand with them don't worry the rest of you are going to be left out you're about, you're about to get some spiritual fathers in here in a minute you're about to have somebody pray for you ain't like nobody else that prayed for you before make a circle Hold your daddy's hand. Hold, hold, hold Mimi's hand. There you go. Come on, daddy. There you go. You're too 
slide over. Grab hands. I ain't leaving you mamas out, but you mamas can pray in May. This is, this is June. Y'all had your chance. You want to come? Somebody grab me grab me a chair for him so he can sit right here. Storm, grab that, that chair. You good? You don't know how much it means to me that you're here today. It means the world to see you today. I know your daddy ain't here but I'm going to give you a spiritual daddy today that's going to teach you the right way how to do this brother Jimmy I want you to come stand with Parker brother Barnes I want you to come stand with Tyler these may be gray headed men but they know Jesus better than probably anybody else in this room you watch their life they won't lead you astray they're your people. Hold hands. Get in a circle. You ain't praying with him. Y'all together. You go ahead and gather. Now, if anybody else in this room wants to join one of these guys, you can. Any men want to join, you can join. But here's what my prayer is today. God, you don't let us just have gray-headed people in this building, but God, you raise not only spiritual fathers, but you give us spiritual sons that we can build legacies with. So if you, if you want to join, you can. But I'm going to ask you, those that can, to stretch your hand or stand all over the house. And you you pray for them. You guys pray. Now, if you're a father, grandmother, you pray. So, so Brother Terry and, and all you, you guys pray for your children. Go ahead, pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. You pray for them. But you pray on behalf of them. You call them out. They need you. They need a spiritual father. They need a leader. They need a God. God, I pray for, for these, this group of men. Lord, I pray for steel and storm and Jordan, God, call them, Lord, use them, equip them to be men of God, to be used by you in a mighty way. Father, for Colton and Mackenzie, God, and Madison, Lord, I pray you would raise up spiritual fathers and, and let them be spiritual sons and daughters, God. They are called by you. They are your children. God, I pray for, 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 for Riley and for Brantley. God, use them. Let them be men and women of faith. Let them grow up to be ambassadors for the kingdom and reach people for Jesus Christ. God, they are princesses and princes of the Most High God. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. God, for these young men from Parker, Tyler, God, I pray for them today. Let them have a heart for you. Let them love you. Let them be committed to you. Let them have a relationship with you. Let them know you, God, in a powerful and a special way today. They need you. They need you, Lord. There's no one else we need today but you, Lord. Father, Lord, I pray today that you would bless us and keep us. You make your face shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lift your countenance towards us and give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. Guard our hearts, Father, until you come again. God, let the words of our mouth, the meditation of our hearts, be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Together, the people of God said, Amen. As you remain standing, as these begin to make their way back, you know in just a moment you will be getting a gift if you're a father. Or... I want you to hear this pastor's heart. I know some of you are saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, but I need this next generation to know the same God you serve. 
Sister Carol, E and G for me. First. I know you have some questions in the corners of your mind. There are traces of discouragement, peace you cannot find. Reflections of the old past, they seem to face you every day. But this one thing I do know for sure, that Jesus is the way. For Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. For Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. This is so true. I know you've got mountains that you think you cannot climb. I know sometimes your skies are dark and you think the sun won't shine. But in case you don't know today, the word of God, it is still true. And everything he's promised, he will do for you. Let's sing, oh, Jesus is the answer for the world. Above him, above him. Jesus is the way. I know Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus, just let's sing it one more time as our prayer. And I know Jesus is the answer for the world today. Love him. Jesus is the answer for the world. Everybody be seated just for a moment before Brother Randy comes to pray our benedictory prayer. You may be seated. If you are a father, a grandfather, a bonus dad, or even maybe consider yourself a spiritual father, I want you to stand all over the house. A father, a grandfather, a, a, a spiritual father. Now before I let this body of believers give you a hand of appreciation. You listen to this pastor carefully. Your children, your grandchildren, your spiritual children, they're depending on you. Don't fall asleep at the wheel, but wake out of slumber and be on vigilant alert, lest the master come quickly and find us sleeping. We need you there's a generation of people out there. They need spiritual fathers. We need you. You're essential. For the rest of this body of believers, can we just get a hand of appreciation to our fathers today? Everyone stand all over the house. Brother Randy is going to come. He's going to lead us in our benedictory prayer. Don't forget to come get your gift immediately following service. I'll meet you at the front door. I love